I have feelings, Yoni. Oh, me too. I know it comes as a surprise. <laughs> Very strong feelings, you know? I, they're usually just on the inside. And on the outside is the talk to me face. Which I don't we, like oh. No, I don't like that either. Well, let's talk today about feelings. L'chaim. L'chaim. I'm Jessica. And I'm Yonit. Welcome to the Kiddush Book Club. So Yonit, we decided on emotions and feelings. Here's what happened. (laughs) I have been having all the feelings because this has been a very intense Hanukkah and break. Yes. Yeah. And everyone is just exploding. Right. I I had a day where I ugly cried at the airport (laughs) after reading a book and then having an emotional experience. So I feel you. What was the book? So I'm reading a book called The Crate Mm -hmm. by... Uh, Deborah Vadas Levison, and we're going to talk to her in another episode. Yes. I don't want to talk too much about it, but it's a book, a modern day thriller that uh, happens to a family of Jewish immigrants. And so it kind of do- goes back and forth. It's the current day thriller with a dead body being found. <laughs> and then there's the past where this family has already suffered so much, and, you, mm-hmm. and there's, a sto- like, there's a story within and the story. And there's Holocaust connection. Of course. Of course. So, well, you know. I know. So the Jewish, the Jewish part is that there's a story in the story, and one of the stories in the story in the story mm. is that um, you know, a couple of family members who they found out died like month or so before the liberation of the camps. And so that was it for me. That's hard. Whenever I hear, like when you hear about Anne Frank and you hear how she died within the last months uh, before the liberation, like whenever I hear those kinds of stories, like, oh, so close. Or someone who died after the liberation because they ate too much or they were already on their deathbed. And I'm just like, you know, there's so many, you have so many unanswered questions I, you know, I was having all the feelings and the last night of Hanukkah is a yurt site for um, Jennifer um, Mendoza Alcon, who was a close friend and kind of like a sister, daughter, niece kind of a thing. Like our age gap wasn't enough to be like a daughter thing, but it was just enough where it was like, everyone was like, are you, is it like you lost a daughter? And I'm like, well, I don't know, but it felt like, um, one of those unexplained losses. Does yeah. that make sense? Like when someone yeah. dies really, really young and someone dies really, really old, everyone tries to come up with something. But when it's a newlywed who all yeah. she wanted was to get married and have babies and then not, she doesn't get to finish yeah. her life goal, like she was very clear. That's hard. So it's the potential. It's potential. potential. Yeah. And I find like I have, I definitely struggle with um, the potential. Like when I see that in a book or a movie or a yes. story, I just sob. I'm I just, know, that's it. The last two years have just like been like, there it is. That's it. It's the same way that when I first had a kid, I couldn't watch ER anymore (laughs) or any show on TLC where people like had babies. Cause I was like, this is too emotional. What if someone loses a baby? I know you. you, So I, I read a child called it. Yeah. Years and years and years ago. It's about a heavily abused child's real story situation Uh about, I, I, I can't remember if it was one sibling or multiple siblings that are like heavily abused, locked in a room, beaten, starved, kept from school. So I read it at the time. It's in Oregon. Right. I was like, oh, that's so sad. If I read it now, Mm -hmm. hot mess. No way. No, no way. No way. way. I think of some of the books that even Hatchet is a kid, my kid's age, 
stranded alone on an island. And instead of instead of participating in the story a way middle grade kid would, where they would think of themselves, well, what would I do? How would I scavenge? I'd be sitting there going, that poor child yes. must be so sad. That's yes. mom. I can't. And and he probably every day wonders why he's been abandoned. And <laughs> and when are they coming for me? And, I'm going to have to take I'm, a jello shot. Let's take a jello shot because I'm sad. Let's see. They've been. I made these for New Year's. Are this they, is great because I can eat good. my feelings and drink them at the same time. Well, have let's have another chaim. L'chaim, grape jello shots. They can make a bad sound. Mmm. Mmm. Did you get the wine one? I got the wine one. It's very good. Yeah, I made jello shots with wine. Okay. So instead of using half a cup of vodka, mm-hmm. you use one and a half cups of wine. Oh. But use the grape jello mix, nice. not the plain. It was very good. Yeah, because the plain jello mix doesn't uh, work oh. when you push a jello, obviously, is not as good as gelatin. Oh, so, yeah. so when you use the plain one, it, it doesn't take. For mm. some reason, I made it with the plain jello and with the purple. Like my feelings, it was just a jiggly mess. <laughs> it was a jiggly mess, but it was a delightful jiggly mess. It was. It was delicious. And really lovely. And we have, we're drinking the Jessica today. This yeah. is my official drink. Yeah. And our official. Make it a double. I love these glasses. Thank you, Yoni. They give me feelings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing more than feelings. Oh, my God. Which so is- I actually avoid feeling books. And, and um, mm-hmm. so to prepare for the episode, I have yeah. my I have my chart of feelings. Yeah, your chart so of like, feelings. You know what? Why? It should not only be feelings that are sad. So what did you Why? pick for your chart? So <laughs> it's not the most scientific chart. And then partway through, I'm like, this is a bad chart. I could do better. But then I was I'm like, sorry. No, I'm just going to stick with it. This is our personalities. I am like, I'm frenetic and a little ADD. Um, instead of a chart, I'll just grab a stack um, <laughs> at random based on how looking at the cover makes me feel and nice. reminds me of how it made me feel. Nice. Like, oh, I need to add that to my, I'm an Aquarius. Um, <laughs> uh, Meanwhile. And you are like over there, like actually using a ruler and a piece of paper. So I have happy and sad, mm-hmm. steamy, which is okay. Horrified. Horrified or, hor- or or scared? No, horrified. Horrified. So start. Like, with- it wasn't just that; it was horrified. Well, let's. What do you? What'd you write for horrified? Game of Thrones. Okay, why were you horrified by so Game of Thrones? There was a scene with Bran that I is it spoilers? Now it's been like. Um. Years. Why don't you just say spoiler alert? Okay, spoiler alert. And you can always skip ahead. So there's there's violence against children. Mm-hmm. I mean, God. I mean, come on. The book. It, there's that's the least of the problems of this book. But the scene where Bran is injured. Yeah. Hurt me. I closed the book and I could not read it for a couple of days. It was too. It was too horrifying. Too horrifying. I could not do it. But not in a fascinating way. No, because it was a kid. It was a child. Okay. The rest of the book is a hot. Like there's people stabbing and incest and all this right and, and like an outlander that did it for me an outlander when they describe um drawing and quartering do you remember yeah. that scene yeah it was the first time i'd ever learned about drawing and quartering but because it was happening to an adult right i didn't care it wasn't that big a deal it was just Maybe. a fascinating uh, thing to google yeah yeah a, a scary thing to google but a fascinating mm-hmm. thing but what happened to a child i think right. i would have also put the book down right it was a lot by the way drawing and quartering <laughs> um is the process of basically slicing someone open and gutting them so that they're still alive. Yes. And then while they're hanging there, um, so they basically are hung on a noose but not to death. So they're on their toes. And then you slice them, and then you take their guts out so they can see them. Yeah. And then that's it. And then I believe you take them off the noose and burn them to death. 
Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. So drawing and quartering. If I'm wrong about the drawing and quartering, you can feel free to tell me. But that's I what it, it said. Limb removal as well, but drawing, know, I guess you though you could be creative. Oh, well, maybe that's what the quartering is. That's what I thought. I thought it was just removing insides. Mm, I think you also like rip their arms and legs off. See, this fulfills my geekness. <laughs> we're gonna not the, if it happens we're gonna Google to a child. Right, hundred percent. Do I have anything on here that's cor- oh okay. Um horrifying. But okay. also in a way that makes me sad, but Yes, horrifying, mm-hmm. was uh, the book Bobby Yar. Have you ever read Bobby Yar? No. Uh, this is a book that was written in Ukraine okay. um, during the reign of the Soviet Union about World War II. Oh, okay. And it's a story of one town in Ukraine, basically, that gets taken over by the Nazis and it's from the perspective of like non-Jewish people living there. Mm. So you're kind of seeing how the process went. Um, and then slowly but surely they eventually draw out the Jews yeah. and basically tell them that if they make it, if they go to the train station, they'll be given a, a train out of Ukraine because they're not wanted in Ukraine anymore. It's, we're kicking the Jews out, but we'll take you somewhere else. Okay. Right. And the Jews were like, well, fine, you don't want us here. We'll go to our new promised land. And um, the real story, this is based, this is a true story. Okay. Um, in Bobby, Bobby Ravine, I've been to it. It's at a park. And they basically surrounded this park with, you know, uh, um, a fencing sequence in and had all the Jews line up. And basically were like, behind this fence, we've, we've built a train station in your park. And then Jews were going <sighs> through this line. And when they were inside, were immediately told, strip down, go stand over there. They're shot into oh a ravine until it was just all piled up, right? So the ch- there's this is already horrifying, but we're yeah. used to Holocaust fiction, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. okay, yeah. fine. There is a chapter in here that takes a break from being from the perspective of the main character. To, it's a chapter where the author, Anatoly Kuznetsov, when interviewed a woman who survived it, who crawled out oh from underneath God. all the dead oh bodies and what she did after. Okay. And that chapter, drink. I would have my students read it and even they would be like, we're putting it down for a minute. And I'm like, yeah. dad, this is a chapter. Yeah. You, you read the chapter and then you put the book down. You have to. Yeah. You have to. Wow. Because it's, I have it's to just the hearing about that. It gave me like, feelings, yeah. but I think it was even you were, since we're used to reading Holocaust books, it's like, right. okay, well, aren't we used to that by now? I'm like, yeah, but this chapter showed up in the middle of a book that wasn't about a Jew. Right. And then all of a sudden it was like, you know what? And this is not even like the, the, the idea of centering a Jew. Um, we People didn't do that mm. when this book was being written. They wrote for their own stories and that was it. Right, the fact right, that right. Kuznetsov did that is a pretty big deal. So if you yeah. haven't read this one, you must read. Uh, it's a classic. This is, it's a good one. And we've okay. been told we need to talk a little bit more about the content of yeah. the book. So we're glad to be able to provide. Don't just take our word for it. Yes. Read Bobby Yard. Don't just yeah. take a word for it. Many of my students have read it. Um, I'm sorry for the nightmares. Right. So Nightmares is an interesting one because mm-hmm. Horrified, there's another book that was horrifying that um, I read. And I think I may have mentioned, I try not to mention the same books over and over again, but like sometimes they just stick with you and that's how you know yeah. that they stuck with you. Um, there was a book that was... Uh, marketed as like a new take on uh, Twin Peaks. Okay. And I think it was called Falls. And it was like supposed to be the same level of ridiculous? So yes but and no. But like where there was a bit of, so the, the premise of the story, and mm-hmm. I just have to find the title. Sure. I can't think of the title. Um, it was not one that made it to my list. Uh-huh. Um, but so the, the premise of the story is that a series of FBI agents have disappeared when in this small Pacific Northwest town. So another people love setting books here, right? Another really FBI do. agent comes to figure out what happens. Yeah, and 
And so, okay, you're reading that. And I'm like, oh, I love mysteries. Sounds good, right? Right. Halfway, halfway through, halfway through, it turns into a horror novel. No, you have to, that's not okay. And I was like, <laughs> and then there's more of them. And I'm like, I'm not going to read the rest. I finished it. Cause I was like, like, you know, there's that horrify where you can't look away. Yeah. I was like, I need to figure out where these, like what, what happens. That's here. how I feel about the cats trailers. Oh. <laughs> Can we watch it together? Yes, but I'm not paying in the theater for that. That's No, when it comes out on the video, that. we're going to get a group and we're all going to throw popcorn at the screen and yell. Yay! Okay, good. Somewhere all where right. we can turn it off um, because I've heard the number of people who go to scream now, like it's like a group thing. Like people show up and they, they all kind of, and the yeah. whole theater is like, we're all in this together, right? Like we're going to yell and scream at the screen. So yes, uh, their feelings can include being all of a sudden scared and like, but you can't look away from it. It's called Pines by Blake Crouch. I was close. Okay. So Pines. thank you for the warning that it is halfway through horror. Halfway through it becomes a horror. Yeah. I'm so okay. Maybe. But is it as quirky as Twin Peaks? Yes. Totes. So it's very quirky and it's a very weird town and that's the mm -hmm. whole part and it drew me in. So it's potential that like I was the only one in the entire world who didn't know this was a horror book. Because mm -hmm. I just, I also thought that 28 Days Later was the sequel to the Sandra Bullock movie 28 Days. <laughs> so I do sometimes find myself in horror situations <laughs> as a surprise. So. Oh my God. I, um, I like to know going in. Okay. When You're I'm, opting in to scare. Yeah, I like to know. And I, since, I think since high school when I saw Scream is when I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. Yeah. Horror movies, I'm out. Yeah. And books. Meg, I told you about Meg. Oh, and my yeah. dad was like, read Meg. And then I'm like, I'm done scuba diving. And you're like, we did that on purpose. But oh. I don't know my dad, he didn't do that on purpose. I really think he thought I would get a thrill out of being thrilled and not scared. Because Meg really scared me out of the water. <laughs> And it scared me from letting my kids in there. I mean, I, but at the same time, my brain tells me, no, let them do what they're going to do. Um, but I also just want to point out that we yeah. and your children yeah. are too small for Meg to snap on us. I'm just saying. Meg would, would see us and go, that's pathetic. It's not Throw it back. It. No. Throw it back. But yeah. we might get swooped into the big crush. Okay, fair, fair, yes. fair. If we were amongst many swimmers, yes. we could all get eaten all at once. Like that scene from the trailer for Meg. Fine. Movie. Fine. One on one, <laughs> I don't think we're attempting. So I don't like feeling scared. I don't like feeling. I when I read a book, I okay. I'm gonna grab Little Women right now. Okay. Do you remember in Friends when Joey trades Little Women for um, The Shining? No. So there's a scene where basically <laughs> he, um, she, she, she's reading The Shining. I think okay. Rachel, and she's like, "This is so scary," and he's making fun of her. And she's like, "Fine, you have to read one of my books," and okay. she gives him Little Women, and then at one point. He doesn't realize that Joe is a girl. And oh. he's like, oh, so Joe and Lori are lesbians? And she's like, no, Lori's a boy. And he's like, oh, well, then this, I have to start over, you know? But he gets, and she <laughs> spoils it for him. Spoiler alert, in Little Women, Beth dies. Okay. Okay, you've had 150 years, people. Yes, you've okay. had 150 years. So I grabbed my copy of Little Women because oh. I have a few. But this copy, look at it. So pretty. It's pretty and it's got little illustrations in it. Oh. And I, when I said as an Aquarius, I just kind of went for what I was feeling. This is a 1947 edition wow. of Little Women. And it's it makes me feel happy yeah when I was a kid I was reading Little Women I'm thinking one day I'm going to be a writer oh and get paid a hundred dollars a story and that's the same rate <laughs> I saw that tweet oh. yes they are getting nowadays there are people actually paying a hundred dollars for essays for 
websites. 150 years of. And that's a good feat. 150 years. Yes, I, I wrote essays for other sites. I can't say, I'm not going to say which ones, for $25. What? Because I was just happy to keep my writing muscle exercise. Mm. And I was like, listen, as long as it keeps my name in the writing fair, world fair, fair, fair. and fair. it gets people to read what I have. I'm as getting long paid as no need, dollars. No dollars. Yeah. Well, that's what it's like when yeah. you blog for yourself now is you're getting mm-hmm. paid no dollars. So technically, right. Joe yeah. got 100 Right. That's she a was lot. killing it. She got a hundred. She was killing it in the mid nineteenth century. Mm-hmm. That's that's a lot. Yeah, but this book, the reason, okay, for anyone who doesn't know, Little Women is about a family of four sisters and their mother. Who their father is away because it's the Civil War, and they live in the North, and they don't have a lot of money, and they're, they're very plucky. sweet, and they're, yeah, they're plucky, and they're sisters, and they become friends with the local poor little rich boy. Yeah. He's the Logan Huntsberger of their town. Mm-hmm. That's a, a Gilmore Girls reference. And he falls for the, you know, the Rory Gilmore of the sisters. Yes. The book that is reads, a very good, like. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's not oh, mine. Except, Loss, except uh, she's not as insufferable, I think. No. Joe is way better than Rory. Yeah, I think so. She's way better than Rory. Right? Yeah. Right. And then the one line, whenever someone gets a bad haircut, they're like, I'm, I got a bad haircut. I want to be like, you're one beauty. Because when Joe cuts yes. her hair, and they're like, you're one beauty. See, this book makes me happy. Yes. I feel happy. Happy books Have are good. Have a book that when you're talking about it, you just feel joy. My sister who's yes. 15, loves Little Women. She was upset when she act, she was walk, uh, reading an abridged version, didn't realize it. And she's like, where are all my favorite lines? Like, that's how much she knows Aww. this book. And so when she finally, like, you know, was like, I need to trade this for the full one, you know? So Watch the movie and yell when they get their lines wrong, just like the rest of us do. <laughs> oh, well, I've heard the movie is nonlinear. Did you hear? No. No, in a good way. Okay, maybe. I haven't seen it yet. Neither I, have I. I'm, like, cautiously optimistic, although I am that person who's like, that – Sitting with my book, flipping pages, like that is not what happened. You skipped over. Are you a thing. huge Little Women fan? So it's not just that I did with O Pioneers. I did with The Martian. It's just a thing. Oh, with The Martian. Yeah. Oh no, but that, come on. When you were a kid, wasn't this the oh, middle totally. grade book? I also read Little Men and Joe's <gasps> Boys. Yes. Which is your favorite of the three? I I don't remember. They both. They all three sat on the shelf, and mm-hmm. they were they were go to rereads. They're all yes. I'm not a rereader, but I reread yeah. this a lot. As you Definitely. can. Oh, this is for 1947. It could have just started this way. But and I think I kept it pretty clean considering. Yeah. yeah I could use a little so. corner it could support. Mm-hmm. But, I, wanna, I like the look of a, a you know, <laughs> a rough edge book. that It yeah, makes it look right. like, and look, there's chocolate on the back. Oh, like, no. <laughs> I was clearly 11. Clearly 11. Like reading this book. Oh. What was your, what's your like reminiscent book? Like your thing that you picked, nostalgia book. So, you know, it's funny because I, you know, I mentioned this before, but Little Prince was my go-to comfort oh, book. Oh, yeah. It's not even very long, but it was the thing that if I just didn't feel happy, I wanted to read it, and it would make me feel like – The Little Prince of all again. books? Yeah. I don't oh. know why. It just – I just would reread. And to tell you – can I tell you anything about the plot or, like, the copy I had? I can't even describe it, but I probably read it hundreds of times, and I can't tell you anything. It you just, can't tell me anything? Nothing. So you know nothing. So if you look up the blurb right now – look up the blurb. Okay. For the little prince. Would I be surprised? Maybe. Yes. Do you read James and the Giant Peach? Yes. Oh, that was a good one. I don't think I reread that one, but that was that's for sure a nostalgia one. Like there are certain books I see my kids get assigned where I'm for a moment I go, oh, but then I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't reread that. Like Call the Wild, fun. I'm not gonna reread that. Right. I'll I watch that. the movie that's currently on Disney Plus because it has Harrison Ford in it. 
You can't type. And it's a great way to bond with my seventh grade son who's reading it right now, but I'm not getting all the feelings from it. I get all the I feelings from Harrison Ford. I hear, you know what? I, I was just talking to my son and he's reading another of the Rangers Apprentice books. Mm-hmm. It's mm. a very prolific series. Um, and he said, oh, it's just like every other story. And I said, well, what makes it not be boring then if it's the same story over and over again? He goes, well, there's little details that are different. Mm. And I guess if the story is good. You know, then, that's you like know. the Sergio Mass series. It's one long story, but every book is structured very similarly. But you have something that you latch on to in it that the details change up for that character just a little. Like for me in the Sarah J. Mass series, I really like all the chapters of Manon, who's the um, High Witch of the Blackbeak clan. And anytime there's a scene with her, yeah. I'm like, oh, I feel so happy. And then the rest of it, I feel like I have to get through. Oh, interesting. To get to the Manon stuff. I see that. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Funny. So everyone has something they cling to. So it's okay to have a little details and go. So let me, there's the plot. The narrator begins with discussion of the nature of grown-ups and their inability to perceive especially important things. As a test to determine if a grown-up is enlightened and like a child, mm-hmm. he shows them a picture they drew of age six depicting a snake which is eating an elephant. Okay. The narrator becomes a pilot and one day his plane crashes in the Sahara, far from civilization. He has eight days of water supply and must fix his plane to be saved. What did I read? <laughs> I love that you're like, what is this? I don't remember this book. <laughs> but the only reason I know is Little Prince is. Are you thinking the, of the Little Princess? No, it's the cover. No, that's the Little Prince. That's the cover I had. Okay. I had this well, copy. The cover of James and the Giant Peach was very similar. It was him on a peach. It was definitely not James and the Giant Peach. That I, well, I know you mean the Little Prince, but what's funny so is you really funny. don't remember the plot. Remember the story oh though. my god! You know, yeah, I read it before bed. So. You, know. you should have taken it in more. Maybe. By osmosis. Like, so, when you, right, when you read something right before you go to sleep and then you fall asleep and it really sets in. Maybe. I don't think that's what osmosis is. That's where you soak it in through, like, your pillow, like, through your skin. <clears throat> oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, osmosis is more like you're near it. Like, I know a lot about the Game of Thrones series by osmosis because you guys have talked about it. And so I soak it in from other people's experiences. And I only know about it because of Twitter. Because literally during the last season, every single Sunday, it was like no one wanted to tweet about anything else. And oh, now so everyone's tweeting about things that they know nothing about because they're bored because Game of Thrones is gone. That's right. That's exactly it. We need some show to show up so that all the people who are on there who who have no content whatsoever stop aggrandizing over things that they genuinely are not knowledgeable on. Right. And like, then you t- cannot put ketchup on latkes. I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Stop trying to say, <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll make myself a content creator for this random subject. No, know That's your thing, works. know your subject, and then you can become a content creator for it. I, I get so angry when I see someone getting tons of fame and attention for not having any content at all. Ugh. Like at least be funny. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't know. And I keep my mouth shut because you know, I don't want to yuck anyone's yum. Yeah. So, well, anyway, I grabbed another book here. Speaking of yucking yum. Um, this is a I book. I have not read that one, but I've heard of it. Oh, this is a book that just, I've got the, don't worry. It's not a page of the book. It's, <laughs> I know. Did you see, did you see my reaction? Yeah. I'm you like, have, oh I pulled the paper out. Up. It's American Ooh. Pastoral Ooh. by Philip Roth. I may have mentioned it before. Um, and the premise of the book is that, uh, there is a Jewish main character mm-hmm. who is called by someone he went to high school with, uh, back in his, uh, 
town in Jersey where he, you know, was like the only obvious Jewish kid, but there was this other Jewish kid and this Jewish kid was blonde and a football player and he had a non-Jewish name. And he was like every, you know, post-World War II parents dream, the Jewish child that's going to blend in with the guy, right? The one who would pass if Germany invaded, like that, you know, they say, oh, Blue eyes and blonde hair. Yeah, the Austri- you fit in with the Austrians and right, Hitler wouldn't right. arrested you. You could have taken on a German name. Right, that's- so that was like the dream. If you gave birth to a child like that in the baby boomer era, like mm-hmm. you were, oh, look at you, the American dream. And he goes back and he basically is writing about this person and meeting with this person. And through that, he's discovering the mess behind the scenes. Oh. And everyone's life is is messy. And what And a lot of that has to do with trying to fit in to a place that will never see you as one of them. Did I read this book? I may have read this book. You may have actually read American Pastoral. I didn't feel enough feels, apparently, to remember if I read this book. Um, While you talk about it, it sounds very familiar. Oh, my God. No, every single page of this book, I felt like it was, like, trying to trying to skim it to see if I read it. Yeah. I, I think I read it. You might have read Listen, every one of us has a different book that makes us feel a different way. And for me, what this book felt like was it was kind of filling in the blanks. You know what Mm. I mean? Like what happened in between? We're, you know, I read a lot of like the chosen. It's it's the post-World War II society with the immigrant children and their parents are speaking Giddish and the kids are playing t-ball, right? right? Like that was the one I was familiar with. I wasn't familiar with this world, the world where the, you know, the immigrant Jews post-World War II kind of are excited to not appear Jewish anymore. Interesting. That wasn't something I'd seen in literature yet. Yeah. We'd all seen The Chosen. The Chosen gives me feels too. Right, right. But this one made me want to write more. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it gave, it motivated me. That's Philip Roth, American Pastoral. Okay. Motivational which feelings. I, which I may or may not have read. You may or may not have read. <laughs> I might have to <laughs> browse it again. Well, what else you got on your list? So, under Happy, mm-hmm. I wrote Pride and Prejudice in the Parsha by <gasps> C.C. Ford. Oh. So, we, we spoke to her about it. I will say that I, the reason I loved it and I laughed out loud is because there were in jokes. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like this is a joke that I understand. I get that reference. I understand. I get it. Just the little descriptions. I was laughing out loud while I was reading it. And if I was not amongst other Jews, there's no way I could have explained what was funny. No. And it's, it was so easy to explain what was funny. Yes. It was so easy to just be like, okay, you guys, Pride and Prejudice, but it's in a town that's a few hours drive from New York. There's a yeshiva opens up and right. all the women between their 25 and 35 year olds who are over the hill right. are, everyone's excited to fix them up with the buffers. That's it. That's the whole story. That's the story. But there were parts where I was just laughing because there was like a part at the local grocery store and there's a part where like they're kibitzing over Shabbos meal. And I'm just like, oh my God, that is literally every Shabbos meal where you're the new single in town. Yes. That's exactly how it is. And you can't, you can't describe that feeling to someone else who's never experienced it. No. But just trust me, it's real funny. <laughs> it's very awkward at the time, but on the outside, it's real funny. Oh, God. It really did. I'm, I'm excited to delve into Shinoch Crisis for the same reason. Yes. I only read the first story, but in it, I was like, this is not trying to explain to anyone anything. It is right. just assuming you're on the inside reading the story. Which we like, because yeah. you know what? How many times I have to crawl into someone else's memory and, okay, so this is what it's like to be a Christian boy in yes. Nebraska in the 1960s. 60, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's oddly specific. It's kind of like when you're watching Mrs. Maisel and you're like, yes, thank you. Yes. Right. Like, yes. I, you know, I don't care that 
be canceled on Jewish people. I just want a quality show. Right. They put the content in there. I just want the content. Yeah. I just want Amy Sherman Palladino, yeah. who apparently grew up. This was her. This was her friends and their parents, but in LA. Like she, my friend Allison, what was uh, her classmate, and Allison was like, "There are characters in that show that are my grandmother." Hundred <laughs> percent. And she goes, and Amy knew my grandmother very, very well. And I'm like, "Hello, thank you for stealing from my life, Amy." <laughs> so we know that this was drawn from real people. So, which is why my other happy book is the same. It's called Mother's Ruined, and it's by Amy Horton. And it made me laugh out loud because it's a mom who, she has three kids, and she has just, she's pregnant, or she was just pregnant, and she's moved into a new neighborhood, and she's trying to make mom friends. But she shows up in the neighborhood like a flaming hot mess. Oh, I love she's it. She's accidentally dyed all her hair, kids' hair green. <laughs> and what, what's it called? What's it it's called? It's called Mother's Ruined. Okay, by who? Uh, Amy or Annie, Amy Horton. My okay, I'm in. But uh, so, and it's great. And then here's the best part. She discovers that she's picking up her neighbor's phone conversations on the baby monitor. <laughs> Sometimes you can hear other neighbors. Yes. So it becomes like this whole thing. She's oh. awkwardly trying to make friends with these other women, but she's hearing some of their personal details. And like, does she use it to... To make friends with them by pretending to like things they like? Yes! Or does she... No, just tell them, by the way. No, but that's funny. You know, and so it was hilarious. Oh my God, because I read it. Do you have it? I don't. I read an ebook, And, you know, it's one of those books where you're like, yes, I am that hot mother, hot mess of a mother. Hey, like, my hot kids, mother and hot mess. Hot mess, at least I'm hot. <laughs> the kids are like half-dressed, dirty, and like running in the backyard screaming. Like, yeah. that's my kid. Listen, it's my yard. <laughs> that's a, it's my relatable and part of it is like you you can relate to you it you felt seen I felt it and so then I appreciated it and it made me feel so good so you felt happy and you felt seen 100% see I told you my category in my head because I didn't write mine down was books <laughs> that made me feel seen I have a really good one we're going to yeah. tell you after this quick uh, musical break Let's have one more. The other Jello shot. This one's stronger. This one's orange okay. flavored, and it's got vodka. You can see it holds oh. up a little better. Yeah, it does. All right. How's this one going to sound on? That's a slurp. Let me slurp for you. Lachaim slurp. Hmm. Ooh. Much stronger. That sounded horrible. I'm sure. What? So I'm. <laughs> I'm, I'm new at this, and I was like tipping it back, like get out, get out, get out. <laughs> we should. A squeeze. We should make these for Shul for Shabbos once. I think so. We should like make them in the Shul kitchen. All like a big so sheet. Fun. I mean, mm. you, what you do is you take the little um, pouches that you use for dressing, like not mm -hmm. pouches, the little cups with the lids. Yeah. And then you make a jar of in there, so you can put a lid on it, and they will travel. Better. That was perfect. They were that perfect. was very. You were very well planned. I well, like I I've seen enough. Other jello people. shot accidents. Yeah, <laughs> and other, and jello shot accidents. I you know people try to travel with jello shots Yeesh. with no covers. By the time they get there, they're all loose. Well, especially because the kosher ones are not as thick. No, because again, you're using fake gel. So do the double powder trick. That's how you used to get jigglers to get the double powder. powder. Yeah, you like actually have the amount of liquid. Yeah, but it's double the amount of gel powder. Yeah. Okay, I'll try that next time and let you know if it works. That's what that was a trick with jigglers. Remember how they used to do the ones where you use cookie cutters? And yes. Letters? Yes. On TV, oh, that was the trick. Oh, you never did that? Okay. So no, because in real life we didn't have gelatin. 
Oh, that was when I saw the Jello commercials. J E L L. Yeah, yeah, but the kosher Jello. You just have to like. I guess. It up. But these kids were like picking up their Jello pieces. Oh yeah, no, that's not going to happen if you make kosher Jello the normal way. You have to like. I guess. Yeah. I wonder if I can. I mean, seriously, when you're experiment for science. For science. For science. So we were talking about books that made us (laughs) feel seen. Sorry, and Jello shots. (laughs) And Jello shots. See, this is what happens when you have a kiddish. Um, so a book that made me feel seen and happy, okay. like we were talking about Mother's Ruin, yeah. was Sisters of the Winter Wood, which uh. I've talked about. I mean, come on, Rena Rossner. Rena Rossner is, like like every other writer, she was tweeting about how she has all the self-doubt about her next book. And I just was like, I don't think you understand. My neshama was on the pages of your yes. writing, and yes. we've never met. Everyone who is the dark brown, like, Harry sister wants to be yes the thin beautiful blonde delicate like sister, sister right think. exactly this is a story about two sisters one who is more blonde and delicate and one who is more like good girl. woman <laughs> good woman good woman carry heavy things and they and their family live in a, a separate town from their Maybe. relatives which is very different yes. at that time mm-hmm. usually you live in the same town as everybody so they live in a separate town for yes. a reason and they the fur reason. And they, um, for, for a reason, <laughs> and there's a lot of clever puns, yes. but they're Hasidish puns. Yes. And there's a story There's lots of stories within a story. Yes. I mean, I, you have to. Uh-huh. Um, and the food, they don't explain it. They just serve it. Um, Shabbos and oh. Kashras and, and Mitzvot, everything is just yeah. in it. It's just in it. Yeah. I definitely felt things in that book. Mm. Especially like there's, you know, there's the scene with the the boy from the market, mm. and okay, so here's the thing: I'm reading it as an adult. Yeah, I'm an adult thinking, no, boys from markets, nothing good can come of this. <laughs> but I'm sure that if I had been a teenager reading this, I would have been like, the boy from the market, the dreamy boy, the dreamy boy from the market, right? right. And not the Jewish one, right? He's not right. Jewish. We got two girls with two decide. separate love interests, exactly. Oh, yes. and their love interests definitely reflect who they are. The more steadily girls into the into the guy whose family has a butcher shop. And they're boring. And they're boring, but she likes that. Oh, but they're warm. Yes. And they always have too they much food. Mm-hmm. Even when they're like, she feels like she's intruded, somehow magically there's still too much food. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's so Jewish, and I love it. And the way also that she doesn't feel pretty. Yeah. Like, I think as a teenager, I, I, I know, like, I, do you know any, like, brunette, curly-haired, Jewish, dark teenagers that were like, I feel pretty? Mm-hmm. And then they look back at themselves and be like, oh, I was so pretty as a teenager. What was I thinking? Yes. It's that normal teenage YA self-doubt. 100%. And I know it's technically YA genre, but it didn't feel like some of the other. No, gosh, for sure not. They no. were, I mean, well, there was some saving. Yes. And there was some like coming into your own mm-hmm. self, which is classic YA. Yes. Absent parents so that they have to handle themselves exactly. for a while. Exactly. Yes. Um, but it was also beautiful. Yeah. And everything was different. It was mm-hmm. so different. It was different. There was uh, chapters in verse, but also chapters that weren't. Right. Um, to separate themselves off, like in a different style. Right. And But see, I even talking about it, I could talk about this book alone. Yeah. No, it was great. It's just, it was beautiful yeah. and it made it made me feel special. Totally. That I, that I felt like, because I felt seen. Yeah, I, no, I definitely felt things in that story. Yeah. I was definitely yelling during certain parts. Do you do that? Uh, depends on the book. So like, no, you're just like, no. <laughs> like, I knew this was coming, but still, no. Don't, don't do, do that. I've definitely yelled sometimes, like, ah, oh, come on. 
But not the way, like, don't do that or do do that. You know what I mean? I don't know. I just sometimes I get annoyed and, like, like shake the book. (laughs) (laughs) I, okay, so sometimes the book doesn't have a natural stopping point. Okay. And it's really, 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 really good. So you just have to keep reading. Just keep going. So this was one of those books. Okay. Where even though each chapter ended, I still felt like I had to know what was coming in the next chapter because she did a really good job of making no chapter feel closed. She ended on an and. She always ended with an and. And I even said to her, like, online, I was like, Rita, like, I'm going to fan a girl all over you now and tell you that this inspired me to write specifically what I wrote and to leave the end of every chapter with an and. And I wanted to have that same feeling of closing the book at the end and staring off into the distance. Yes. I love that feeling. I actually just finished a revision, and it was the first time my agent gave me a note that was so good. Just Mm. one line. It was a note. And I took the note and I ran with it. And when I finished, I went and I just stared off in the distance. And I went, yay, I did it. I created something that makes me, the person who wrote it, stare off in the distance. So, you know, hopefully that means other people. Like that's, Rena Rosser did a good job of making me want to have that result. Because that's Bar Harbor. The Bar Harbor home for, uh, retirement home for uh, writers and their music. Yes. I didn't read it yet. I gave it straight to you, you first. You gotta do it. Okay. Did I let give it back to you ever? Maybe. Maybe it's been passed around. Have taken when it. you finish, yes, yeah, someone took it at Shul. Yeah. I at the Kiddish, so. where we have our book club. Kiddish book club. It's a thing. I finished that book and stared off into the distance, and now I can't even talk about it because you haven't read it yet. Ah. Uh, all I can tell you is that it, it kept me going the whole time, and I literally sat on the couch, finished it, and it had two hours left to shops and just stared for the next two hours. I was like, what do I do now? With right. my life. Right. There's nothing left. You yeah. know, it's funny because I, I need to write down more when that happens to me because I feel like in hindsight, I don't, I don't know. I remember the plot. And I remember what I felt reading it, but I don't always remember the books where I put it down. And I was like, I can read nothing until I've gotten over this feeling. Really? Yeah. I don't always remember that. Well, do you, do you remember any of the last times you felt that way? Um, I don't know. I do know that there are books that I talk about a lot. Like they really impacted me a lot so mm-hmm. that I, I think about them frequently. But I do know there was one recently, and I can't think what it was. Oh, yeah, I don't know. You know, if you start to think about it, like, okay, which books always jump into my head when people mm, say things uh-huh. like, oh, what was a penultimate book of your childhood? And I'll go, oh, Little Women. Yeah. Then here's the one I never say, which I should. I feel afraid to say it now. What's that? Gone with the Wind. Really? When I was a middle schooler. After I had reread and reread Little Woman a bunch of times, mm-hmm. I asked my grandmother, my softa, for a book. And she's like, well, if you like classics, take Gone with the Wind. Okay. And I was like 12. I couldn't go to sleep. I literally sat with flashlight under my covers. Oh my gosh. Which, looking back, my parents knew. Right, but they were so. like, she's reading. I put a towel under the door so the light didn't creep into the hallway. Not because you were smoking weed. No. Because that's usually why people put a towel under the door. I know, door. but no, I was just reading. You were just reading to totally. see the lights. Flashlights uh-huh. for it. Right. And, uh, yeah, I, I just remember feeling happy when I was reading it. Nice. But I haven't read it since I was 12, so I wonder how I would feel now. I don't know. That's a good question. So I should reread Gone with the Wind. We should. Do, maybe we'll do an episode where we each pick a book from our childhood, reread it. Okay. Benicula? Okay. Does that hold up? I don't know. I saw an article about it recently. Benicula? That's not the Bunny Dracula. The celery stalks at midnight. Oh, my God. You read Bunny Dracula. Goodbye. And I'll read Gone with the Wind. No, no. I'll read more than just <laughs> Just, it's like a few hundred pages different. It's fine. It's fine. Okay, so let's do. All right, so I have here in front of me the Kite Runner. 
Oh yeah, I did not read those. Okay. So I, I, I did. I do usually avoid books that give me feels. I'll be honest. Okay, so if because you've heard everyone say, oh, yeah. be prepared for this. Oh yeah. No, I'm gonna lend you this book. I'm gonna opt prepare. out. No, opting out. You opted out. Yep, I'm tapping out. I Do you know out. what you're opting out of with this? Like, has someone giving you a hint? I, I have heard and I've read synopsis, and I'm like, oh my god, that sounds amazingly beautiful. But still, no. Right. So it's beautiful. The 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 it's um, make me cry. I can't. The rising it. action of this book includes some very horrifying, yeah. horrible things nope. that happen to the main character, and it's all the rest of the book's beauty. Yeah. Tries to like teach your brain like it's okay that that happened because look at all these other beautiful things that are happening but you can't let go of it yeah. so you end up with this like conflict in your brain i can imagine can't even tell you now because you haven't read it i know but you know what there's just i just i my reading is very escapist mm -hmm. and i'm okay with that and so is my tv watching i like light and fluffy ah uh, you know you so, know i thought i was getting light and fluffy with Shit's creek have you have you seen it you know i watched the first episode and i don't think i'm into it oh keep going by season five, you'll need tissues. What? No, no tissues. It's also like happy tears. Happy tears. Okay, fine. Baby. You're watching going, this is so good. Okay, I keep hearing it's good, but like, yeah. I just, you know, listen. Ah, I can't do that. It's short episodes. Okay. Because um, on Netflix, no commercials. So they're like 20-minute right. episodes. Right. And uh, you binge it. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. I'll try and give it another chance. I gave it, like, the first episode, I was like, this makes me a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Totally. But the second episode, I'm like, I think I'm okay with it now. And then by the last episode of season five, I was like stuffing tissues into my pockets. I think the pockets. part is I don't like any of the characters. Not a single one. Oh, we haven't met a character yet I liked. That's the point. I, I understand, but then why am I watching it? Because the show teaches you to like them. Okay. Usually you want to like one of them to start with, right? Yeah, no. Mm -hmm. So from the beginning of Shit's Creek, everybody is um, on like reprehensible yeah. and seemingly redeemable. And the whole point is that everybody gets redeemed. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. If you're listening and you know about the episode where she sings, the Stevie sings the song on stage, where she sings maybe this time. Aww. And I just sobbed for Stevie. Oh, but that's no. because I got to watch five seasons of Stevie's development right. and to see her grow and see her get miss out. I don't want to cry. And see everyone grow except for Stevie. Like, okay. everyone else is moving on with their lives except for Stevie. And now I realized how far they took you from episode one. Yeah. All the feelings. Okay, fine. See, look, I just connected Maybe. it back to feelings. What about you? What do you got next? Okay, so I, I have a – so it's funny. I have my chart, but then I had books that didn't fit on the chart because they made me feel either many things or, like, different <clears throat> kinds of things. Okay. So one of them is called Before the Broken Star by Emily R. King. Uh, and the premise is there's a girl who survives uh, an assassination on her entire family. and But she didn't come out unscathed. She has a clockwork heart. Oh, and she would be considered an abomination in her time. Uh, it's a tale of revenge, of love and loss and hatred. Who's the bad guy? Who's the protagonist? But even the pitch that she loses her whole family. Yeah. It's like the worst nightmare ever. And then she, well, she, but she's a plucky character. She's really fun. She has a clockwork heart, but she, you know, fences and does all these things. And then. She's keeping her fencing up because she wants to get revenge. So it's she's driven by revenge, and you follow her along as she discovers what revenge gets you. Not much, huh? Well, I can't say. <laughs> but the book did leave me going, that's how it ends? That's how it ends? You were because angry? Book. Oh. It was more of the series. I'm like, I feel no closure now. Don't, I don't like it. 
I don't like not feeling closure. Because I wanted to know more. It's one thing if you don't close it and I just don't, like, I'm like, all right, but I don't actually don't care. But this one, I'm like, I want to know because her white whale is still going. And you're like, I want to go with you after this. Oh. Because you, you know how you realize, I mean, this is one of those ones where, like, the per- the revenge, the target of your revenge, there's always a person behind that. Really? Okay. You know? Yes, and that person's still out there in the world at the end of the book. You know, so. Oh, come on. Yeah. Is there another one? Yeah. Well, I don't know if there's another one yet, but I, I want to read it. I mean, I have definitely read the first books in the series where the second one has been breaking me up because the publisher hasn't necessarily approved a sequel, right. but the author, in hopes of getting one, somehow managed to sneak in just enough um, open-ended cliffhangers to force the reader to go on Goodreads and write, there better be a sequel. Better be one. <laughs> I don't know how they get away with it. Like, if I were their publisher, I'd be like, don't you dare sneak in any any cliffhangers. But they it's, always manage to. It's completely open-ended. There's you have to sneak in a few so that people yeah. beg for more. Uh, and then sometimes a book you close and you just feel like um, the Night Circus. I, I just finished it and I went, that was beautiful. That was a beautiful every word. I mean, the, her new one. As everyone's freaking out about the star, it's the star- Starless Sea. Isn't that always also Erin Morgenstern? I'm not sure. So her new one, I believe, Starless Sea, and people have been writing things like, "I just finished it, and oh my god, what am I supposed to do with my life now?" Oh yeah. So I'm looking forward to that feeling. Yes. Right, because you, it's like the reason you wouldn't read um, the Kite Runners because you were not looking forward to the feeling, right? Feeling upset. Right. But this is people saying you will feel joy when you finish. I want that. I want to feel, you know, I want to. Uh, Tracy, if I, if I grabbed a single book that made me feel joy. I, you have lots of sads. I see lots of sads. In fact, I see some sads. Actually, I was, like I said, I was doing research before this episode. I was like, let me remind myself of books that made me feel things by Googling books that made me feel things to see what other people felt and, and to get ideas. And I was like, oh, that book's in my to reread list, list. Out. Like, oh, if no. it's going to make me sad, I'm sorry, you're out. You're out. You are out. I don't want to read a sad book. I don't was know. In? Nicholas Sparks, you're all out. All of you out. All of the Nicholas Sparks books. Done. All out. Too many feelings. Too, no, with the Bad sad. feelings. Too many sad feelings. You know, so I, that's why I like romance. They have to have a happy ending. It doesn't matter what happens in between, but it has to end happy. And I like that. I don't, I can almost deal with the feelings if I know it's going to end happy. But you, you are not guaranteed that in other books. No, you're not. And I can't, I'm sorry, wistful is not the same thing as happy. So there's a book called We Are the Lucky Ones, which was a nonfiction about a family who every single member of that um, close family, all the siblings and both parents managed to survive and the grandchild all managed to survive the Holocaust family from um, uh, Poland. And the story relates each of their experiences and all their lucky misses. Wow. All of their moments where someone else got caught instead of them, or yeah. they made a choice that took them in a different direction by right. coincidence. Right. It was a different train, a different door, door wow. from the door that they walked through a different sewer. Like every single one of them made just happen. Now, obviously anyone who survives has a story like that. This sure. is a whole family of people. Like right, that. Right, right. We're literally including the parents who are older, every single one of them, all the siblings and the grandchild and the parents all made coincidental choices wow. that all led them to survive. It's amazing. It is amazing. And so because you know, the premise is that they all survive, you should think that at no point you feel anxious. 
This is not. You feel anxious on every page. Of course you but do. But in a way that you feel okay about because you know it works out because right. the premise is the right. you do. I mean, the book is called We're the Lucky Ones. Right, right, right. You're like, oh my God, you're under the bed and you hear like footsteps. Those yes. ones you know, you, you, you can't help feeling anxious even though you know it's going to be fine. Even though you know it's going to be fine because the premise is that it's going to be fine. The scene where the child's hunting under the table behind the tablecloth and mm-hmm. you're like, and then someone else gets shot, not the kid. And I'm like, whoa, because you're still, the tension is still yeah. there. The tension was still there because, well, maybe not all of them were lucky. <laughs> well, like, or like, what does lucky mean? You maybe you have a limp. Maybe like that's not, I mean, that's lucky, but it's still like, right. Maybe something happened in that one scene, right. but no, we were the lucky ones made me feel, um, anxious for what would happen while also feeling satisfied that I knew it would be okay. So that's kind of a good feeling. So instead of sad, yeah. I got to feel exalted for this family. It's like training wheels for sadness, <laughs> right? I like mean, it feels wobbly, yeah. but there's a training wheel to catch you. Yes. Okay. Sadness. I can handle that. I, picked, I can handle sad training wheels. I picked sadness. I you did pick a lot of sadness. I picked both Jonathan Suffern Four books that I've mentioned before, <laughs> which everything is illuminated, which if you haven't read it, is about um Jonathan Suffern Four and he names his character Jonathan Suffern Four. <laughs> his same name. Um that he sets out to find the woman who may or may not have saved his grandfather from the Nazis is only evidence of photograph. Um and he is accompanied by an old man haunted by memories of the war a dog named Sammy Davis Jr. Jr., mm. and the unforgettable Alex. Young, see, I said Alex, not Alex, because, mm-hmm. you know, a Ukrainian translator who speaks in a sublimely butchered English and drives them around. Okay. Um, and he led on a journey in the, in the old country to try to find the location and where Elijah she Wood may hidden. Yes. Is oh, on the front. Elijah Wood was in the movie. Okay. And it's a great movie. And the movie was pretty movie. faithful to the book. Okay. Uh, the reason I love this is... It was written out in epistolary. Yeah. And a lot of it was epistolary. A lot okay. of it's written in letters nice. back and forth to each other, which yeah. I thought was really, really cool. But it's just the way it made me, if this one, I made my Ashkenazic soul feel seen. Yeah. It just felt very European, very, my family's from the old country. And if you like prose, this is very prosy. Okay. Yes. Good. So I got through that one. Yeah. And the other Jonathan Saffron for our book is if you uh, were in New York on 9-11, oh my God. this is the only 9-11. I've read a lot of 9-11 books. There's yeah. been more than I thought there would be. Yeah. And yes, a lot of Falling Man was pretty good by Don Zalilo. But Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close by Jonathan Saffron for genuinely captures the feeling of being in New York after 9-11. Oh so unless like it's one of those things where you can read it. And go, that was an interesting feeling. And then someone will go, yes, that's the feeling you're supposed to be feeling because that's what it was like. So it's about a boy whose dad died in the towers and he has this key, this boy, and he has to figure out what the key goes to. So this child is wandering Manhattan after 9-11 trying to find the lock that this key is supposed to go into. So sad, but beautiful. It's funny you said that because there is a book that I didn't put on my list, but now you were mentioning that book. It made me think of it. So there is a short story by Hugh Howey that I read in a collection that he wrote called Peace and Amber. And it's really interesting because it is a sci-fi book, but it's kind of his autobiographical take as a boat captain on the, uh, he was on the North Cove Marina during 9-11. What's it called? So Peace and Amber. Peace and Amber. So he didn't see, uh, so 
he was there, like they were ferrying people across the river. Yeah. Um, so he was one of those boat captains. So part of his trauma, uh, and he wrote it into this, this story, is that um, it, it has some um, alien abduction. And like there's some strange, but it also like dives into this. Alien abduction. Uh-huh. All right. So um, so it, it, it talks about his experience during 9-11. And at the same time, um, the aliens have abducted these two people for... Um, Are you sure there's aliens? You've had two jello shots and an entire Jessica drink. I <laughs> am pretty... You're not like... Okay, so there's aliens. Sure. All right. So yeah, he was, a, he was a boat captain during 9-11. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> there were aliens. Um, oh yeah, so... Yeah, so imprisoned and put on display... In a glass-domed zoo on a planet, uh, an adult film actress is left with uh, Billy Pilgrim. So it's supposed to be inspired by Kurt Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse-Five. Ah, okay. But it's, it's, it's a mashup of, like, these two people who are now mushed together and their feelings and what formed them and their trauma and together. And they're in an alien zoo. You know, it actually sounds like a very post 9-11 novel. Right. It's just, I don't know what I'm feeling, but I'm feeling something. Yeah. And that was kind of the theme, right? Like, well, the, this whole thing know. was that he, didn't, he couldn't feel anything at the time. Yeah. You couldn't let yourself feel. He just acted. He was just fearing people and like, you know. Fearing people. Moving. Like trying, yeah. You just keep moving. Moving through his day. Yeah. And trying to recover as and, much as much as you could. And I think that the reason I could read this story mm-hmm. is that it alternated between the absurdity of being in an alien zoo with aliens that just have hands okay. by like clapping or like moving their fingers um, in the 9-11 story. Oh, I see. So, you see, know, it's not directly like, like the one I read also, it's not directly a 9-11 story. It's about a yes. little boy trying to find a key and the lock. That's right. it. It happens to be set against something. Right. Else. Right. Yeah. So it, it helps to mute, mute it a little bit. So mm-hmm. I can, you know, like if I wanted to, I could dwell on it, open my feelings. I can really like think about what's, what, what's happening in the horrifying images that are described. At the same time, I'm like, so if they're giant hands, <laughs> like. <laughs> I, I, I have a feeling, a feeling that in 2021, we're going to get a lot of September books published. You think so? Yeah. I know that, um, People I, are still processing I, I know opinion. there's a lot of writers, um, trying to get their nine 11 books published wow. just in time for 2021 releases. Wow. And I'm wondering whether or not publishers will do it huh. because are they going to think like, Oh, we're going to be accused of capitalizing yeah. on the 20 year thing or do they owe it to us? to give us those memories. Like, do they right. owe it to communal memory to remind us the same way that Holocaust fiction and Holocaust nonfiction gives us like reminders and to sure. retell stories. That's fair. So why, you know, if people are always like being accused of capitalizing, but what if you're telling a story? Right. That needs to be told. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I can see that. And even with, you know, even with aliens, as long as the messaging is about the feelings and about the sure. trauma and about the recovery, then who cares if it's totally fictional or there's aliens in it or like right. whatever. Yeah. That's not what it's about. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, like, it's also, it's how he was processing it. So we're going to get a variety of books because everyone's going to process it in a different way. Yeah. Right. There's people who process like life is beautiful. Yeah. And there's people who process like 
you know, Number of the Stars or... I, uh, yes, like Life is Beautiful, yeah. I definitely only watched once because it was too, too much for me. Yeah. Really? Right? That one? Yes. That's the one where they try and make it so light. He's trying to hide the horrors from his son. And yeah. so it seems like it's singing and, and even the cinematography leads itself to a certain lightness. But but be, that, that that's why it was too intense for That's me. what got it for you. Because it you was knew. the contrast of it was yeah. uh, it, it presented the Holocaust to us knowing that we, the viewer, no. know what's really happening yes. behind the scene. Right. So we may see this father trying to entertain his son, but we actually know where he's going every day. Right, right. So right. even though they only give us glimpses of where he's going and little moments to remind us, like, right. oh, he's carrying this heavy thing, he's collapsing. The majority of the time we spend with the kid, we, we know. We know. And because yeah. of that, it made it even harder. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like with, um, did you see yet JoJo? No, I haven't, but... Okay. Um, you know, our favorite millennial saw it and would love to talk about it. She, yes, we talked a little bit about it. Okay. She wishes that the Jewish character was spent more time on. I disagree. Okay. Um, but it doesn't mean that she's not to feel the way I'm not to feel the way. That's right. the whole exactly. point of a movie like that. Yeah. It's like life is beautiful. You're allowed to feel one way about it and I'm allowed to feel another way about it because yeah. we're all processing trauma and exper- these experiences sure. in a different way. And if you were to ask the content creators, they would say, whatever you think. Right, exactly. Yeah. I gave you a Rorschach test. Yeah. Take with it what you will. I think fiction and movies should be Rorschach tests yeah. for each of us. And if they're not, I usually don't like it. If it's so yeah. like, here's my message, take it. Right. So I gave, um, I met with a friend, Tahila, in Portland. Hello. Uh, <laughs> I met with her at Powell's, the place I want to live forever my whole life. You could, no one would notice it's, it's that big, right, apparently. The bookstore in Portland that it apparently has the most shelf space out of every of any bookstore in the United States. It's supposedly three square blocks. It is. Oh my God, you need a map. I got lost. Anyway, so I'm in there <laughs> and I'm going through recommendations for her to read and for her girls to read. Her girls are about 13, 12 and 13, same as my daughter. And some of them was like, you're going to love reading this. They're going to also read it. You're not going to take the same thing out of it. Yeah. You're not going to be able to. They don't have the political experience or the literary experience you have. You know, Jasper Ford, there's a lot of layers there. There's layers. You have to have read or seen or know history in order to understand what you're looking at. Or you just read it at the surface. That's, That's right. Also okay. That's right. That's also fine. So the Crestomancy by Diane Wynne-Jones is the same way. There's a small boy and his sister who go to live with this scary man in a big mansion. And it turns out that there's, um, there's an ability to walk between worlds. And there's all this fantastical stuff. And if you're a child, you read it and you're great. As an adult, there's a scene you know, not to give too many spoilers, where there's a world where, where they're mermaids. And this boy is helping this other man travel between worlds because the man is, you know, grooming him. Oh, you're doing so fabulous. I'm gonna, They're not letting you do this kind of magic, but I'm going to let you because I am one who really appreciates your skill, right? And the guy keeps coming out with packages out of these different worlds that they travel to. And out of the mermaid world, he travels with butcher paper wrapped packages that leak a little bit. Ooh, mm-mm. So mm. if you're a child, you're not going to really hop. You don't always happening. hop the leaking packages. But, but as an adult, I went, ugh, dead mermaids cut up inside parchment paper. So dark, but like you, you take things differently. Yeah. That's why we have to definitely discuss um, coming up to this little break. We'll discuss a little bit more and then we'll each decide what book we're going to reread. Oh, my 
Yoni just just realized that the book that she might want to consider rereading just to figure out what kind of a weirdo she really was. <laughs> Yoni, why don't you tell us all? So my favorite book for a certain period of middle school was mm. Christine, the horror novel by Stephen King. Oh, wow. So here's the synopsis. Okay. In the summer of 1978, while high school student Dennis Gilder is riding home from work in his, with his friend, nerdy teen Arnie Cunningham, <laughs> Arnie spots a dilapidated red and white 1958 Plymouth Fury parked behind a house. Arnie makes Dennis stop so he can examine the car, despite Dennis's attempt to talk him out of it. Ronald D. LeBay, that's a lot of detail for oh, a man geez. who's just yeah. an elderly man wearing a back brace, sells the car, which he had named Christine, to <laughs> Arnie for $250. While waiting for Arnie to finish the paperwork, Dennis sits inside Christine and has a vision of the car ew, ew. and the surroundings as they were when the car was new. Oh. 20 years before. Frightened, Dennis decides he dislikes Christine. This is a weird write-up. <laughs> I mean, I understand the story, but the blurb is weird. It just gets better. Okay. So this was my favorite car. So my favorite car. This is my favorite book for a while, which is weird because I, I don't remember reading it. I just remember re that I read it. Does that make sense? Yes. I don't remember the story. You remember loving it. <laughs> remember loving it. Yeah. So and, Gone with, that's what I felt about Gone with the Wind. I remember <laughs> loving it. I know that there's tons of racism in it. Yes. I'm eager to find out where. Uh, because I know from the movie where it is, but the movie's different than the book. So well, I'm eager to, to pinpoint it in the book. Stephen King does appear occasionally in Men Write Women. So I might be uh, in for a good time myself. Oh, uh, well, you know, I had a... Their boobs boobily. <laughs> Boobo. uh, who appears that way is, uh, I believe it's White Noise. That book, right, appears a lot. A lot. A lot. Um, <laughs> Don DeLillo appears a lot. There's a lot of Michael Shabon. My character's a huge jerk and I'm going to show it by having my character think really disgusting things about women. But the problem is that it just gets to be a lot. I mean, I don't mind it. Like, and here I am by Jonathan Safran Forer. He does that with his characters. Right. But he uses it as character development for why this guy is such a jerk and why he's getting a divorce in the first place. Right. And why, and like he knows, but the character knows I'm disgusting. I am disgusting. No wonder my wife is done with me. I, right. I'm disgusting. So that's a premise. And right. Don DeLillo, he doesn't always seem to be aware that he's that his characters are disgusting. Right. So Catherine Locke on Twitter, we were talking about, um, she's reading a book, and she said that they <clears throat> threw in some anti-Semitism. Yeah. The main character is like, ah, the dirty Jew. Ew, Jews. And they're like, yeah. well, but you don't redeem it. You don't use it yeah. as like a device to drive the character to either being horrible or what you just mention it, then it's just gross. So the same thing yeah. with casual, casual misogyny. If you're not, if it doesn't drive the story in any particular way, then just maybe leave it out. It's just, you know, listen, as a, a free market libertarian, whatever, my whole life, it is hard for me because I, I'm of a different mind. Everyone's mind is contact the publisher, contact the publisher. Yeah. For me, once the book is on the shelf, it's on the shelf. Yeah. And I'm not a big fan of, of, um, uh, unless they have an opportunity to listen and right. say, yes, yes, yes. Oh, you know what? Maybe that was bad and I want to pull it. Like, that's um, different. I contacted a publisher and have not heard back. Right. If the author, because the Before publisher tell the author. Yes. And the author can say, I never thought about it that way. Like, I wanted to write a character that was doing a certain thing, and someone pointed out to me why 
I was using the wrong language because a character that had that disability would never say that. Right. They're like, they would say this. And I'm like, you know, I don't know enough about it. And until I learn enough about it, I'll just save it for another book. Because yes. like, my kids really want me to include a wheelchair user character in a book one day. They're yes. a big fan of, they said they don't see that that often. Mm. Like, mom, if you're a writer, you should write things we don't get to see, which I was like, that's a good request. But I'm not ready for it yet. Yes. I don't have enough research done. I haven't spoken with anyone. And this book was already ready. So I was like, forget it. I'll change it. Um, or as a writer, you use your powers to connect with writers who are writing their truth Yeah, that can write those characters. Yes. And let them do it or let them read yeah. my writing and say, what do you yeah. think of it? Yeah. But for me, this wasn't a main character. It wasn't, I was like, I'll use it. I'm not going to say I'm never going to do it, but I am going to say I'll do it for something else and yeah. I'll make it, I'll make totally. it really good and I'll make it powerful and strong. You want to make sure not that you're like, Oh, I need to make sure no one's a misogynist. People are misogynists. Right. It's okay to have characters that are misogynists and racist and anti-Semites, but you have to be aware you're doing it. Right. You can't be you, the author, are a misogynist. Like, sometimes that's what the problem that, is. Or a racist. Or a racist. Is, thank you, romance uh, writers of America. Oh, we, so the explosions on the Twitters. Oh, the explosions been, on the Twitters. Is but that you know what? They I, can't tell the difference between a racist character in a book versus a racist author. It's right. not the same thing. Right. You know it when you see it. They're different. When the authors are racist, it's like every single person's skin tone gets described, but only if they're black and they're always using food. Right. That's when you're like, okay, that comes from the author. But if a, if a character in the book is doing that and it's like that, that's how you know that the character for sure, like right. sees people by their skin tone only. Right. Like that's different. So yeah. if this character that Catherine was reading is meant to be like, an anti-Semite. That was literally not ever mentioned again. Right. It's not, it's not okay. Yeah. So like develop it. Of, exactly. Develop or don't. It, or don't develop it, but show me what you mean. Right. Otherwise I'm like, that was weird. Like what? Exactly. <laughs> so I feel like if the, if the author can hear that and go, Oh, I never, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't realize I was doing it. I don't know everything. Well, so what happens is they double down in the, but that's historically accurate. And you're yeah. like, well, it's okay to there have these other things accurate. in your book that are not historically accurate. If right. you're going to really die on this hill, this is the hill you're going to die. Right. Like to me, if you're writing a fantasy novel and then you're like, everyone needs to be an anti-Semite, have it have it be on purpose. Like, the dragons are very realistic though. I did research. I did research. <laughs> it's like when people get mad that the new Ariel from Little Mermaid is black. And I'm like, she's, she's a, a mermaid. <laughs> <but> she's a <laughs> fish. <laughs> Reverse mermaid singing a song. Oh, she's got legs, and then she's a fish on the top. Oh, it's so uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, no, I think um, I think that's going to be what happens. I, I think when I read Gone with the Wind, everyone's problem with it is yeah. that the book depicts right. Marmy and the slaves in right. one way, right. and then people right. defend it by saying, "Listen, that's the that's how the people living in the South right. treated their slaves," and you yeah. can read narratives and journal entries from that time. Um, where that's how they talk about them. Right. So I'm going to read it and I'm going to tell you if it's the author or the characters. Yeah. Because okay. if it's the characters and the characters are supposed to be not likable because of it. Right. That's not the same thing right. as right. it's a lovable quality that they're racist. Yeah. Right? Like that's yeah. the author. I read a book and it was hard. It was hard for me to read it actually. It was published in 95, which gives some reason why. Um, and it takes place in the wild West and it's always, it's, it's, it's the most horrifying description. I mean, the usual descriptions of uh, the native people in the area, mm -hmm. how they bet, how they look, how they act, how the settlers felt about them. And I was like, Ooh, uh, and it was clearly no, the author no, doing it, not no, the characters. No. Well, it, 
If the characters are doing it and you're depicting it as this is how characters were ignorant at the time, right? Yeah, like, but it was not like It was that. not like that. Yeah, no, nope, 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 nope. And to be honest, it didn't actually further the story at all. And they all could have been removed. And the story itself was great. <laughs> the story itself was great. It had nothing to do with them. It was just they were background noise. And see, that's what you have to ask like, yourself. Like, setting. Yeah, like, you have to ask yourself, was... if you're going to include someone that isn't normally depicted in a book. Right. And you're doing it so that readers just get used to seeing these people as, like, you. They're in books. They're they're around the same way they're around when you look out your, your car window when you're right. at school or when you're at work. Everyone's around. I saw I saw a really good quote um, on Twitter, and I can't remember who said it, so I really apologize. But Twitter's our main source of the, everything. 100%. Her whole <laughs> point was, you can say you did research yeah. and that you're historically accurate to your portrayal of this racism, mm-hmm. but if you're using racist sources, then you're not going to get a full picture. Because if you read the point. story of Plantation, like if they are the plantation owners are the ones writing it, then they're writing their, about their slaves in a particular way. Yeah. But if you're reading the actual slave like, narratives, their narratives themselves, yeah. it's not going to give you the same feeling of right. like what was our agency and how you know learned were we and how family tied were we? Because that was a whole narrative. So if anyone is interested ties. in that, they can read um, that specific one yeah. to understand that there were family ties. There was their yes. own culture going on behind the scenes right. of people actually not wanting to be slaves. And like the fact that we have to say it like that is insane. Like there are so many books and movies that depict they love like, the family. Yes. They're like, well, you just didn't want to die. The so. Marmy thing. They're a charming yes. part of the family and they really yeah. love it here. And how how are you supposed to know that Marmy wasn't happy? There was an article in the newspaper recently about a family in, in California that this adult man found out that his family had a slave, that there was a cleaning woman that what? lived with his family in California for years and years and years and years. And, and she was enslaved? And it turns out that her parents had basically bought her and brought her over, paid for her visa, and then she wasn't allowed to go home. They indentured the her. I think. She was an indentured slave. She was Certainly. an indentured, yeah. But with no, with no plan for release. And, and he, they loved her. She loved them and they loved her. Did she though? And he didn't realize. And he writes this whole article like, oh my God, my family had a slave and we didn't know. And I didn't know. I grew up thinking she was a beloved member of the family. You know, if she was trapped. People can be aware. People have a housekeeper, they have a housekeeper, let's say, for 20 years, right? Yeah. You are very aware, because you pay your housekeeper, that as much as you love that person, she's, oh, she's such a part of the family, you invite her to all the bar mitzvahs, right. we're all very close, you're also aware she has her own life going on. Yeah. She's, she's, we love you, and you love her, because time has passed. But, like, if, and if you stop paying her, she wouldn't show up to work. You'd still right. be friends, but she right. wouldn't be at your house every day. That's right. Right, because she has her own life. That's right. The reason she shows up to your house every day is because she's paying you. For some reason, people forget that about slavery. The reason they're there every day is because you make them. Right. And if you stop making them, they probably wouldn't come anymore. Right. And that's the real question. If you stop paying Marmy and Marmy had a place to go, would Marmy leave? And that's, so I'm going to look for that. Um, So that's, so you have to, uh, Walter Chestnut, his stories were the ones Mm -hmm. that were written in, um, like Southern lingo, um, African slave lingo, and yeah. they were written. He himself was what was some they used to call high yellow. Okay. Um, that term used to refer to people that were had black parents, but when they were born, they passed as white. Ah, interesting. Um, so he passed as white, and okay. so he ended up writing all these short stories that Disney ended up stealing. Oh, great! And turning into Song of the South. Oh, about the charming slave. They don't like slaves on the plantation after the Civil War. Oh, they like to pretend that one doesn't exist. Yeah, they like to pretend that doesn't. It's not on Disney Plus. I. Like read those stories, yes, and 100%. my students read them, and for them it was like because they're teenagers. We didn't get that stuff as teenagers, right? The perspective of 
people living on a former slave plantation who are black and slave stories. Perspective yes. of yes. they have families and children being taken away yes. and people being raped by slave owners, people right. being killed, but it's written from their perspective. Right. Right. So be careful of your sources just because yeah. you find a source. Um, and the author, I can't, I that can't. says they were happy. She, she brought some source. She's like, here's, mm-hmm. here's an entire description of somebody's like at the time, their journal of them visiting Chinatown and all the way they described the people there. And Ugh. it was not great, but this is a historical document that you yeah. could use for your research to say, this is what it was like there, but no, really it's not. So that's a good example. If the if if you are describing, let's say, a character shows up in you know a Hasidic neighborhood, and the narrator of the story, the, sorry, not the narrator, the writer of the story, the author right. is describing the neighborhood, and he's like, they all had big noses and satin jackets. They look suspiciously they look, at the newcomer. Yes, they did it like newcomers. And they cross, you know, like yes, and they were landlords who owned all they the buildings. They pulled their furs closer around them and scuttled away. Yes, and like it literally had a physical descriptions and generic uh, stereotype descriptions of what they felt and did with their lives. And then it was like, and then the character said, well, that's not the character saying those things. That's you saying that's those you saying things. Them. Exactly. That's different. So that's, that's more like when you're describing. Right. Not, and it's Instead not you'd person. say like the, the character, you know, like Larry looked down the street at the families bustling by and felt, you know, um, menace besides their innocent, yeah. you know, it's afternoon okay. out. But it's okay you know. to say that he felt menaced because right. he had no idea what it was like. Exactly. But like you, you were describing something benign yeah. that he's reading something into yes. to show that as an author, I feel this is a benign scene. Yes. And I don't know why this character is feeling so. Yeah. So Naomi Novik does this in yeah. Spinning Silver. Yeah. Where she has the perspective of the non-Jewish girl from town who comes to work in their house, in the Jewish family's house. And she thinks that their brachas that they're making are magic that they're Ooh. trying to use on the on the food. She's nervous they might to eat be. it. She's like, are they poisoning my food with magic? Like, and, but her pers- first person perspective. But we've already seen the chapter before with the first person from the Jewish family. We're yeah. really excited to have her. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. we got to see that they're genuine, and then we have her feeling all this like stuff, ignorance about right, them, right, right. and. That's that's character development. That's who she is, and that's how she Correct. feels. So we actually know the truth, the reader. Right. We know the truth. We know they're making breakfast. Yeah. She's like, but imagine if there was no precedent for that. Imagine if we'd never heard of a breakfast before. You're just muttering over your food. And she's like, they they poisoned my food. We'd be like, wait, what? I don't understand. Right? So context is important, yes. and it's important to really make it clear. Yes. Your character is the misogynist. Your character is the racist. Because I do. When we say feeling things, I yeah. sometimes feel very angry when I read books. I'm not even going to give them any room, but if you go on my Goodreads, you can yeah. see all my one stars. You know, it's always because of something like that. It's something yeah. where, like, did you, like, no, I'm sorry. The rabbi is not going to leave, like, in the middle of services to go fall in love with the secretary of the church next door <laughs> and talk that way because it, really, it wasn't it wasn't even the action of the rabbi it, it was the way he was true. talking you're like true it was like no they, like yeah why are you making him the other who's talking that way yeah. and acting that way and being so whatever when that i mean that's that that's your only character like we, that. right we know that jews are a lot of things and we know that um there's different but we can always read falsehood when we see it. Right. Like we know it's like the thing. Oh, I know pornography when I see it. We know inaccuracy when we see it. So actually, we're gonna have an upcoming episode where we talk about eight kisses. Yes. And should have um, should have crisis, which are yes. both short story collections. 
And I definitely want to talk in those episodes about the stories in Eight Kisses that felt really, really true. And yes. the one or two that kind of didn't. Right. Um, and then I'm sure in Shit Off Crisis, we'll see what we come up with as we read it. Yeah. We have a couple of um, episodes coming up where you know, authors have been sending us books, which is wonderful. And we're excited. We're reading them as fast as we, we can. We really are. Our to be read pile, just from you guys, just from the authors listening, is really high. We've got makeup tips from Auschwitz, um, How Vanity Saved My Mother's Life. And it's one of those subversive covers that makes you go, Ooh, oh, all right, I'm into that. Lend it to me. Um, and I mentioned we were going to talk with the author of The Crate, uh, Deborah Vadas Levison. Yes. Um, which, again, like I am reading through, but it is heavy. It's heavy material. Ooh. So we have a lot. It's heavy material. I we still don't know who read. did it. I don't know who did oh, it. Oh, no. Which is good because I usually can guess, and now I'm not sure. So. Oh, and then we also have um, Lee Zelterman who offered to talk to us about, Lee Zelterman offered to talk to us about Soviet books so the yes. Russian stuff I'm really excited that's about that because that's like a fascination for me to see behind the iron curtain yeah you know, it's like a childhood fascination so we have a lot of good stuff yeah. coming up Rachel and really Solomon we've got an interview with her I'm excited and I, she's giving away an arc of her book mm-hmm. so they go on Twitter follow Rachel and yeah. Solomon get an arc she's I think she's gonna sign it right oh my gosh say okay I feel like I can't put myself out there for a free copy of her book when a I would probably buy it anyway yeah be like it's probably for like I always feel it's like for like I don't want to say underprivileged, but like people who don't have like a access to an art. The same yeah. way that I do. Like I get a lot. So well, I, I I've been requesting I can't mooch them all, but I've been I requesting arts like crazy. I know you're like, I feel bad, and I'm like, oh, the publisher will send me one. You so know? I did put us in for a couple where they're like bloggers, look for them like podcasters okay. are the same thing. But the free ones. Okay, so like when Alice Hoffman is giving away something unique and new that it's like a one-off. Yes. Then I'll get into it. But you're I see what you're saying. It's not like the yeah, publisher's yeah, yeah, yeah. doing it. The they're saying, hey, do you not have access to books? We're giving Here's you some. Right, exactly. right? If actually, if you are a teacher or a librarian and you want access to a lot of YA books, um, Eric, follow Eric Smith on Twitter. Yes. He is often giving away yes. arcs. He's an agent and a writer. Um, he gives away arcs all the time to teachers and librarians. Oh, great. Yes. So if that's what you're, something you're looking there. for, you can even go on there and say, what do you got for me? And see what he has. I've got a feeling. <laughs> I'm excited. I actually, my teenage boy just walked in real silently to get more food <laughs> and he's dancing as he needs sing. So I think you did a good job there. <laughs> Unlike Google doesn't recognize my singing. <laughs> my son recognizes yours. So we have a lot of all good right. stuff. You know, we had a nice month off. Yes, we're getting back into it, getting back into it. And we have all the feels. And we have all the feels. So leave us a line, either on Twitter or Instagram, with what your feels, what book gave you the feels? What book gave you the, what book made you start from the distance? But plot it on a chart for me. Oh, you need need like a graph. Or or don't. Or just a Goodreads tag, right? I don't know, a key tag people Goodreads. Yeah. Or just go to, she started a thread on Twitter. If you want to go there, you could find her at. At Yonit DM everywhere. Yonit DM. She's Yonit DM. And I am Hoffman Jess. And on Instagram, we are Kiddish Book Club. So leave us a line. Leave us a line. Thank you for coming. Ooh, 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 ooh